Let me tell y'all something, man, and I want to spend a little bit more time on this one. Despite what a lot of people may think, MC Hammer is hip-hop. What up, homies? This show boy Kenny with Gangsta Island TV, where we like to throw it all the way back to the good old days of hip-hop and urban culture, usually focusing on the golden era. So let me get this out of the way first. Definitely hit subscribe and like this video to help you boy out with the algorithm. I mean, how many animated hip-hop podcasts do you listen to? So today, we about to talk about the nine underrated hip-hop artists, including groups of the 80s and early 90s. So it's always going to be a debate on the evolution of hip-hop, and people usually tend to gravitate to their era. Who's the best? LeBron or Jordan? Tom Brady or Joe Montana? Biggie or J. Cole? Nas or Kendrick? There is no right or wrong answer, man. It's all relative to your age and what you listen to in your formative years. This list today are hip-hop acts that were extremely dope in my formative years, in mostly the 80s and the very early 90s. I'm gonna give background on who they were and what made them so dope and why were they underappreciated in my opinion. Anyway, without further ado, let's hop to it. Number nine, MC Hammer. Let me tell y'all something, man, and I want to spend a little bit more time on this one. Despite what a lot of people may think, MC Hammer is hip-hop. In order for all these brothers and sisters of all ethnicities to be able to have an alternative to being a stick-up kid or a drug dealer and take this thing of ours and be able to provide for their families, MC Hammer had to happen. To me, if you rhyme, produce, DJ, dance, and provide an urban artwork backdrop, you are hip-hop, and Hammer was one of those to first do it at the height that many others have not done it before him. And he helped move hip-hop into the mainstream so people can legitimately have it as their job and career. So he straight up paved the way. The most interesting thing, however, about Hammer was he was a certified street cat with an army of goons hailing from Oakland, California. He was very serious about beef. Oh, you gonna talk about my dancing pants? I see you. And he will whoop a nigga out. The brother just loved to dance and entertain and chose not to highlight that and act like a fake ass gangster. That was my favorite part of Hammer, man. Man, it was crazy, the productions that Hammer would put on. I heard he had hundreds of people in his entourage and it looked like that and he bought them all on the stage with him, man. It was pure entertainment, bro. Hammer is the only rapper on this list and one of the only rappers ever to have a diamond album. Do you know how hard that shit is to do, man? And he did it before hip-hop had fully become mainstream. And he did it in 1990. Let that shit sink in. Believe it or not, Hammer released albums until 2009 and even released some singles until 2012. That's admirable, bro. And I admire people that do their art and whatever they love until they want to stop. Number 8. Houdini Houdini was dope, man. They was just some fly-ass motherfuckers, too. They were a trio of brothers from New York with two MCs, Jalil and Ecstasy, and cause you had to have a DJ with you back in the 80s, they had their DJ with them called Grandmaster D. I low-key always liked that name for a DJ, by the way. Anyway, what made them brothers stand out was they had two different styles of rap and two distinct voices. Plus, one was light-skinned and one was dark, and colorism was a big deal back in those days. Usually, those groups, man, had a light-skinned brother and a dark-skinned brother, but anyway, I digress. They stood apart from each other easily. 
R.I.P. to Ecstasy also, man. He just recently passed away. He had one of the most commanding voices in hip-hop history. I was always partial to Jaleel's flow, but Ecstasy's voice. Man, they made a great rap duo. They will live forever because they had classic joints. The freeze come out at night, people still be saying that shit. One Love and Friends, which was their biggest record. My personal favorite from them was Funky Beat. Man, that joint never gets old. Number seven, The Fat Boys. I think it's hard for people to understand how dope and big, no pun intended, the Fat Boys were back in the 80s. So for some of the youngest that might be confused, let me break it down for y'all. They were three heavyweight rappers from New York City. Two MCs, one beatboxer. MC, Prince Marky D, RIP, cause he just recently passed away, and my favorite in the group, which was Cool Rock Ski, the dominating MC. And last but not least, a super heavyweight brother by the name of Buffy, AKA the Human Beatbox, who passed away from a heart attack shortly after their success way back in 1995. So let me tell y'all this, Beatboxing was a fucking sport in the 80s. Man, we would have contests in the lunchroom and everything. And basically those three, that was the group. Yes, they were gimmicky, but that's only because the record label got a hold of them first. I didn't really like all their references to food, but you can tell that they were being pushed to ride a gimmick out, which is what a lot of people did back in those days. Underneath all that, you had some hip hop that made you feel good. Plus, these three dudes starred in a movie called Disorderlies that grossed $10 million at the box office in 1987. Cool Rock Ski said that when their massive hit White out came out they lost their core hip-hop fans when they tried to cross over but they still got me as a fan though number six Kwame Kwame is the boy genius at 16 years old he produced his first album with the assistance of the great Herbie Lovebug Herbie is one of hip-hop's unsung heroes responsible for Kwame, Salt Pepper, Kid and Play, and even Martin Lawrence to a certain degree, but I'm gonna talk about him in another episode. A few things made Kwame so dope. One is the fact that he had a band behind him called A New Beginning, which was unheard of at the time. But the thing that I remember most about Kwame was the fashion aspect of his game. Kwame had motherfuckers wearing polka dots for the whole year of 1989 through 1990s. Remember when cats wore the blonde streak in the high top fades? Yup, that was this man right here. That first album had dope singles called The Man We All Know and Love and The Rhythm. The Rhythm was one of my favorite joints in 1990, and I still play that joint today. It had a dope loop that really didn't age at all. His lyrical style was dope and it was extremely intellectual. That was his whole flavor. He wore the ties, he wore the glasses. He was really like a boy genius. I think what happened and what happened to a lot of people back in those days is that gangster rap came out and then everybody felt they had to be harder, more sexual, with more edgier records. They say this happened to Kwame and the fans wanted the more fun records from his first two albums and couldn't see the suave brother in the polka dots talking more freaky. But why is he on this list? It's because he's the definition of reinventing yourself, man. This motherfucker went incognito for a couple of years, re-emerged as a producer under the name K1 Million, and sold over 30 million records as a producer. He produced for LL Cool J, Mary J. Blige, Missy Elliott, Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. He did some music score for movies such as Drumline and Stop the Yard. I still rocks with the boy genius. Word. Number five, Arrested Development. Man, Arrested Development was a movement. They just wasn't a group. 
And since I be trying to do these videos in under 20 minutes, I can't cover everybody in this group because it was like 15 of them overall that was headed by this cat named Speech. People act like ATL wasn't doing some dope shit early on. Man, this group was from Atlanta and dropped a monster project called Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of, and this was back in 1992. That joint sold 6 million records worldwide. Man, that album got three bangers on it. Everyday People, Mr. Window, and the super classic Tennessee. The song Tennessee actually made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list of 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. It was a very deep song and very well crafted joint. It was said that the group was formed as an alternative to all the gangster shit that was playing at the time. And if you can remember back in 1992, it was Death Row Mania and right after the LA riots, so hip-hop had become a whole lot more violent than it had ever been up to that point. And that style of rap was growing as time went on, up until the Pac and Big murders, unfortunately. Arrested Development was the first hip-hop artist to win a Grammy for Best New Artist, and this is overall, not hip-hop Best New Artist, but the overall Best New Artist. I applaud them, man, because they were able to rise to the top, stay true to their artistry, and bring musicianship to hip-hop. And like true artists, they still drop albums to this day. Check them out for show. Number 4, Cool Modi. Man, how Cool Modi is perceived actually confuses me, man. I mean, most diehard hip-hop fans acknowledge that he's a legend, but he is never really on anybody's top 10 list that I noticed. Even if they talking about the 80s specifically, man, that shit bothers me. So Modi was in one of the super early 80s groups called The Treacherous Three. He branched out and went solo and started making albums around 1985. See, back in those days, if you didn't live in New York, you didn't hear about none of this shit, man. There was no internet, no music videos that catered to hip hop. So you literally had to hear about all of this hot shit by word of mouth. Needless to say, Modi didn't really get to us in the Midwest until like 1986 when we first heard his joint Go See The Doctor. That was hilarious. It was about STDs. So go ahead and stream that joint. Bruh, but Mo D can spit. To me, he was just as good as the G-Raps and the Kings of the world. And I just still feel he don't get his proper respect for being a supreme lyricist. Now, this is something that most of y'all should remember. He had a thing with LL Cool J, man. And like I said in the early video, and although LL is number five on my all-time GOAT list, he got smashed in that battle with Mo D, bro. That Let's Go joint, that was the name of the record, is easily a top 10 diss record of all time. This dude used the letters LL and hit him with like 16 bars of derogatory words that started with the letter L. Fucking genius. Anyway, then he came out with the How You Like Me Now album, In Between All The Disses, which had two monster singles, including my all-time favorite joint called Wild Wild West, at least one of my all-time favorite joints. Modi was an intellectual and was before his time where people really didn't appreciate brain power in records. One of the dopest and most underrated rappers ever. Word. Oh, I almost forgot. He wrote a book back in like 02 and 03. It was called There's a God on the Mic, The True 50 Greatest MCs. It's a dope read, man, where he ranks the 50 greatest MCs of all time up until that point on like seven or eight different criteria. Go check it out, man. Number three, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yep, I said it, I meant it, and I stand by that shit. So everybody should know the story already. MC was the Fresh Prince, known to anybody under 30 as Will Smith, and one of the best DJs ever in DJ Jazzy Jeff. The third member of the group was a resident beatboxer called Ready Rock C. 
Man, you gotta love those 80s hip-hop names, man. That shit was fresh. Anyway, it's no question what these dudes did for hip-hop. But let me tell y'all how stand-up they were. They won a Grammy for their single Parents Just Don't Understand, and they boycotted the Grammys because they wouldn't televise the award. They stood tall for hip-hop. And how do some people pay them back? By saying Will Smith was corny. I love black people, and I don't even like to say this word, but I hate niggas. Contrary to what people may think, all black people didn't grow up in the slums toting guns with extreme poverty. Some grew up with a mother and a father in the house and wanted to go to college and talk about innocent experiences with girls and being a teenager. That don't make them corny, that make them true to themselves. We all know what the Fresh Prince went on to do with his life, and that success helped the culture become more recognized. The fact that he and Jeff stayed connected and friends throughout it all makes me feel real good on the inside, man. And let's not forget that the summer doesn't officially start until their smash single Summertime gets played on the radio for the first time. I salute both of these soldiers. Number two, Special Ed. A lot of my homies that I grew up with watch this channel, and they can attest that Ed is my second favorite on this list next to who's coming up for number one. Let me introduce y'all to Special Ed, alright? Known to be a pretty boy, parents originally from Jamaica, they settled in Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York, and he came out with his first album, Youngest in Charge, when he was 16 years old. Man, this motherfucker can rap. Like rap rap. He always stayed true to his roots too, and usually had a reggae song on each one of his albums. The third verse on his joint, You Wish You Could, on his second album, Legal, represents just how talented this dude really is. Go check out this joint. Man, his first two albums are still to this day having regular rotation, and I'm not exaggerating. And they came out in 1989 and 1990, respectively. To me, Ed had everything that a superstar needed to be successful. He even had a cameo on Juice as the dude that took Raheem's girl, and he had a spot on the Cosby show too. I think he had some label problems, but them dudes dropped the ball big time on this talent. He released four albums, with the last one being in 2004. I still follow him on IG, and the good thing is he's still working and touring, and that makes me happy because Ed had a unique style, voice, and accent. I hope this brother decides to bless us with more new music because trust me i am here for it number one poor righteous teachers man i don't know what it is about these dudes man that always drew me to their music so poor righteous teachers better known as prt was a trio of cats from trenton new jersey with the lead mc named wise intellect Culture Freedom, which did more of the background vocals and production, and Father Shahid, which was more of the DJ and producer, rounded out the rest of the trio. PRT was a conscious group, meaning that their content revolved around social issues, philosophical content, and somewhat political. They were kind of more like an Afrocentric and less militant public enemy, so to speak, and I really just love the abstract production on their first two albums specifically. Their breakout single, Rock This Funky Joint, is a top five hip-hop joint in a lot of hip-hop heads' mind back in 1990. Man, I don't feel that joint get its just due for being just as lyrically complex as it was, especially for 1989-1990. Man, that whole album was dope, man, to be honest with you. They had this joint called Shaquilla, and that was a banging-ass hip-hop love song where he used to reference her as his queen. Showing the respect that they had for women back in the time where women was catching hell from gangster rap records, man, was dope as fuck. 
probably the illest part of these dudes is they never cared about the mainstream. Their singles was about spreading knowledge itself, and if they happen to take off, then so be it. A perfect example is how Wise Intellect went solo in 1996. He went on to make eight more albums between then and 2017. I bet none of y'all know that shit. You know why? Because he was doing it for the art and not the fame. To me, one of the most underrated hip-hop acts of all time. And that's it y'all, so hit the comments and don't forget to like and subscribe. Let me know what y'all want me to cover next. What are some of your favorite underrated hip hop artists from that time period? Until next time, peace and blessings and stay hip hop at all times.